0: Hello and welcome to Habemus Papam episode 88, Constantine. Dear brothers and sisters, Annuncio Vobis. Annuncio Vobis. Annuncio Vobis. Gaudium Magnum. Gaudium Magnum. Gaudium Magnum. Habemus Papam. <laughs> So last week, you might have felt gypped. We got a really quick papacy of 21 days. Today, we'll have a little bit longer episode for you. In 708, after the death of Pope Sicinius, the Romans elected a man named Constantine to be the next bishop of Rome. Now, unlike Sicinius, we know a decent amount of, about his career before the papacy, so let's get into that. Like Sicinius, Constantine was of Syrian origin, and he was the son of a man named John. Some have speculated that because of the coincidence of these two facts that Constantine was the brother of Sicinius, but we don't necessarily find that in the historical record. Plus, as we've seen from the past couple of episodes, there were a ton of people named John out there, and there were a bunch of Syrians in Rome. Constantine served from an early age in the Roman church. He was ordained as a subdeacon as early as six seventy-eight during the pontificate of Pope Saint Agatho, who we talked about back in episode seventy nine. And St. Agathos sent Constantine as part of the delegation to Constantinople for the Third Council of Constantinople. It's clear that Constantine was chosen for this job not just because of his demonstrated capabilities in Rome, but also because of his Eastern background. So he spoke the same language culturally and linguistically, Constantine was a Greek speaker, as the Byzantine court in Constantinople. We don't need to go over all the events of the Third Council of Constantinople, but if you remember, the legates negotiated well with the emperor and the rest of the council fathers and the heresy of monothelitism was officially condemned. The emperor sent the Roman delegation back to Rome to the new Pope Leo II with letters and the acts of the council for his approval. And Leo, in turn, approved those acts of the council and sent a letter back to Constantinople with his reflections and his approval. And so to send the letter back, he chose the subdeacon Constantine as his new diplomat in Constantinople. Or if you remember, the official title for this position was the Apocrisarius, So Constantine traveled back to Constantinople with the Pope's letter and with instructions to serve as papal diplomat to the Byzantine Emperor. We don't hear too much about him after that until the time he was elected Pope. So for a couple of decades he must have been in Constantinople serving as the representative of the Pope through several pontificates and several emperors. And I mentioned this in passing but it was a tumultuous time in the Byzantine Empire. Some scholars have even termed it the 20 years anarchy because emperors just kept getting deposed. So just to recap, we started with Justinian II, the slit nose, who was deposed in 695. He was replaced by a guy named Leosius, who was a general and was himself deposed in 698. And he was replaced by an admiral named Tiberius III. Tiberius III was deposed by Justinian II, who made himself a golden nose and retook the throne in 705. So somehow Constantine over in Byzantium must have navigated through all this crazy chaos. Two weeks ago, we mentioned that Justinian II was very much putting pressure on Rome to approve the decrees of his council, the Quinisext Council, and that John VII neither confirmed nor denied it. And it seems like Byzantine pressure was a factor in the election at the death of Pope Sicinius because the Romans chose for their bishop a man with great experience and relationships in the Byzantine court. In fact, it seemed like the one thing we know about Sicinius's time as pope was that he ordered the walls of Rome repaired, That's evidence of just how much political pressure Rome was under. So they needed a diplomatic pope who was able to navigate all the intricacies of the Byzantine court, and they got one in Constantine. So Pope Constantine was consecrated pope on March 25th, 708. The first thing we hear about during Constantine's pontificate was another one of our periodic dust-ups with Ravenna. If you remember from past episodes, Ravenna fell under the jurisdiction of Rome, but since the emperor moved his court there and then moved the seat of the imperial governor there centuries ago, it felt like, you know, we deserve a little bit more prestige. We should get out from underneath the thumb of Rome. Anyway, the bishop of Ravenna died, and a man named Felix was chosen to succeed him, and he traveled to Rome and was consecrated bishop by Pope Constantine. But during the ordination, he refused to sign documents promising his obedience to the bishop of Rome. And one of these documents was traditionally placed by the bishop who was to be ordained on the tomb of St. Peter himself, signifying that he was promising obedience not to the man, but to St. Peter, whose vicar the pope is. Now, since the document had already been written out, and only Felix needed to sign it, Pope Constantine took the unsigned document and placed it himself in the tomb of St. Peter. And apparently a couple of days later, it was found to have turned completely black. Felix returned to Ravenna, having defied the Pope, but would soon have other issues to deal with because in 710, Justinian II, who was angry at Ravenna for having supported one of his rivals during his exile, sent a fleet to punish the city by burning it and exiling the Bishop Felix. Meanwhile, in October of 710, Pope Constantine went on a trip. In fact, he went to visit Justinian II. Yes, the same Justinian II who is sacking cities and who tried to kidnap Pope Sergius a while back and has been threatening Rome for years. This is the guy that the Pope went to go visit. He invited Pope Constantine to come to Constantinople as an honored guest, and he even provided a decree to make sure that no one impeded his travel and accorded him the same honor as if he were the emperor himself. Now, it appears that this visit wasn't just a a pleasure cruise or a nice way of making nice with the emperor, but it was the result of longer negotiations between the emperor and the Vatican. Constantine brought with him a large retinue of the highest-ranking papal administrators, including the deacon Gregory, who was going to do a lot of negotiating work during the visit behind the scenes. Constantine arrived at Constantinople after wintering in Sicily sometime in early 711. The emperor wasn't home, but his son and his successor, the young Tiberius, met the pope at the 12th mile marker from the city, which was a sign of honor because the 12 signified the Apostles, and this is the Prince of the Apostles. The Pope's visit was just this splendid, beautiful occasion. He was treated as a guest of honor. He soon received a letter from the Emperor, who was at Nicaea, asking him to meet him halfway. So the Pope headed to the city of Nicomedia, where the Emperor greeted him in his full imperial regalia and kissed his feet and embraced the Pope. And at Nicomedia, the Pope's officials negotiated with the Emperor and came up with a compromised version of the decrees of the Quinisex Council, which both sides could agree on in good faith. The Pope then celebrated Mass with the Emperor and gave him communion, and then decided to return home. Meanwhile, back in Rome, the new Byzantine exarch used the opportunity of the Pope being away to take shots at the papacy back in Rome. He marched to Rome, he executed a lot of the papal officials in the city who remained behind to make sure that things ran smoothly in the Pope's absence. But this seems to have backfired on the exarch, who was executed himself when he reached Ravenna in retribution for his treatment of the Roman Church which is another reason why Justinian II sacked Ravenna a little bit later. So after all this negotiation, this nice visit, Pope Constantine arrived back in Rome in the fall of 711, and on, almost immediately, his deal was obsolete. In December of 711, another general named Philippikos Bardenes rose up against Justinian II and took control of Constantinople. And when Justinian came back to Constantinople, he found the walls of the city held against him, and he was captured, and this time they didn't just cut off his nose, they beheaded him. Bardinus turns out to have been a monothelite, and I know you I know you and I both thought we had finished with monothelitism, which, if you remember, is the heresy that there's only one will in Christ instead of two, but it's back again. Bardinus called a council and forced through a rejection of the Third Council of Constantinople, and then sent the decrees to Rome for the pope to approve. But this whole situation produced a ton of backlash. The political rulers in Rome saw Bardinus as an illegitimate ruler and refused to allow him to be prayed for and refused to mint currency with his face on it. It was a little mini-revolution. Likewise, Pope Constantine refused to sign the Monothelite decrees sent to him. But it was again a precarious situation, trapped between the Byzantine emperor and the revolting people of Rome. Remember that Ravenna had just revolted a couple years ago and against Constantinople and was brutally sacked. And so this is a fine line again that the Pope has to walk. In 713, the civilian leader of Rome, the Duke Christopher, was removed by Bardines and replaced by a man named Peter who was loyal to the emperor. And this provoked a riot in the city of Rome, which the Pope tried to calm in order to prevent bloodshed. And like past popes, he sent out priests to the rioters armed with the Bible and the crucifix to preach them to calm down and it helped a little but it's not going to hold the people back for long luckily later in 713 bardinus himself was overthrown in a coup and replaced by an orthodox emperor named anastasius ii and he appointed a new exarch to italy who arrived at rome calmed everything down and assured the pope that the faith would not be tampered with and that rome wouldn't be sacked and this brought everyone finally to the same page and likewise around the same time the exiled bishop of ravenna bishop felix was able to return to his diocese, and he made amends with Pope Constantine himself. Pope Constantine died on April 9th, 715, and he was buried in St. Peter's Basilica. And he will be succeeded by his capable negotiating Deacon Gregory, who will become Pope St. Gregory the Second. But we will wait to hear about his pontificate for next time. Thank you for listening to Habemus Papam. You can check out the rest of the Catholic Bites podcast at catholicbitespodcast.com. You can find us also on iTunes. Thank you and God bless.